We're recording. Hey guys, this is Person About Town. I'm here with my dear old friend, Jared. Old? Oh, old in the way that, like, I've known you forever, not old like you're old. I've known you. Hey, we've known each other for what? Six years? What year is it? It's 2014. <laughs> it's 2014. What year is it? We met in 2008, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Eight years. You, you warned Four me years. you had a rough night last night, but what year is it? I was Six not expecting. Years. Six years. You Marty McFly. <laughs> that would be that'd be a great podcast if you just have Marty McFly sitting around asking people questions. What year is it? <laughs> yeah, that would be one of the questions. Ronald Reagan is president? <laughs> I love that part so much. <laughs> that movie is, with that, like, I'm going to show my kids that movie. I'm just, I'm happy that that movie exists. All right, but tell the people your name, a little bit about yourself. All right, uh, my name is Jared Vincenti. Uh, I am a independent filmmaker. I met Kenise in film school, and right now we are chilling out in uh, Columbus Park by the waterfront. In Boston, this is one of my favorite places. I was going to pick the aquarium, but we decided we didn't want to pay admission and have children screaming around us. That makes sense. That's accurate. So, why is this one of your favorite places? So, what I love about this part of town is just that this is, um, well, for context, I, I grew up in this little cow town in, in Connecticut, and you're giving me that Connecticut face. And no, I just, I don't <laughs> know what a cow it's, town is. It's not, it's not all, Connecticut's not all, like, polo, you know, polo shirts and, you know, and lacrosse. Um, there's, you know, very boring rural parts of Connecticut, and that's where I grew up. People don't think it's polo shirts. They think it's Argyle sweaters and cardigans draped over the shoulder. You are, in fact, wearing a cardigan, but that's beside the point. It's a logical <laughs> outfit choice, but tell, tell It's seasonal. <laughs> tell them more about Connecticut and growing up there. So I grew up in this little town of 6,000 people um, that was... I don't even know why it's there anymore. Like, what, would they have just gotten rid of it? Like, and decide they didn't want to be a town anymore? It's just kind of like, so I live in, I grew up in northwestern Connecticut where, um, you know, there are really kind of like two, they were manufacturing towns like a hundred years ago. One of them made clocks and there was a big clock factory. And now they're both kind of like run-down uh, post-industrial cities that no one's gotten around to leaving yet. <laughs> and so, like, it, on one hand, it's like this very, like, bucolic Robert Frost, like, living in the hills. It's beautiful this time of year because little leaves are turning. <laughs> but when, like, when you're a 16-year-old who's artistically inclined, it is the most boring, stifling, hateful place you could possibly be. So you had to get out of there. Tell, like, yeah, let's give the journey. So, well, well, I still lived in Connecticut. Um, the the blessing of growing up in a cow town in Connecticut as opposed to, like, a cow town in Ohio is New York and Boston are both, like, a day trip away. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, as we, you know, reached our teenage years and started, like, flexing our, our muscles and wanting independence, <laughs> we were, like, we asked our parents, we were, like, can we go to New York for the weekend? Mm -hmm. And they're, like... They conferred with each other, and they're like, you can go for a day, and, like, this is the path you will take, and they, like, laid out everything. So we're, like, 16, and we're, like, taking a bus down to New York, which is, like, two and a half hours from our house. Oh, nice. um, yeah, and so, like, 
our parents are just like super paranoid about New York. They're like, you will go to Times Square. You'll go to the tickets booth. You will buy a half price ticket for something on Broadway. You will walk there. You will not take the subway. You will walk back. Like, like they laid out absolutely everything wow. for us. Well, because like our parents, you know, grew up and lived in, in small New England towns their whole lives. And they're, I think their formative like experiences with, you know, with cities was hearing about them in the news in the 60s and the 70s when cities were not great places to live. Like Boston, New York, both had big crime problems in like, you know, my parents' formative years. And so like they were like, we were let out on like this very tight leash to, to New York City. And then, you know, a few weeks later, we're like, all right, let's get brave again. We're like, can we go to Boston? And our parents were like, yeah, do whatever the fuck you want. Don't go anywhere on the orange line. But yeah, go do whatever you want. <laughs> the, the orange line? Not even, like, not even like, the south part of the red line they were fine with that? They, they don't know anything about these cities. Like, you know, they don't know Boston well. For some reason, they had in their head that, like, the orange line is the dangerous part. And so in contrast to New York, where we had, like, this long list of rules, yeah. when we were, like, I don't know, 16, 17, coming to Boston on, like, some random Saturday, it was like our parents were not as terrified of Boston as they were of New York, and so we like went out and explored, and um, we did different things every time we came. We probably came like I don't know five or six times in the course of high school, but we would always go to the aquarium and kind of walk up here through the North End. Um, you know this. This looked a little different, actually, because the highway was still here the first few times oh. I visited. Now it's the beautiful Greenway. Um, but, um, yeah, we'd walk up to North End and find some little Italian restaurant to eat at. And, like, this was just always part of our, our path of, like, flexing our wings. And, like, you know when you're a teenager and your parents, like, trust you a little bit to just do something like yeah. no I never I never got to go traveling with my friends uh in high school but my mom would just be like I'll see you in a few days like do what you need to do just locally yeah so you and you would have been able to be like we want to go to Raleigh why would you want to go to Raleigh <laughs> no <laughs> I say that that's horrible <laughs> I have to be there for a wedding uh in a week and a half it's a great place. It's great. It's great. I, but no, I didn't want to do that. Or like DC? What's DC like? Uh, DC's uh, like eight hours. Oh, that's that's <laughs> a lot to trust a teenager yeah. with. <laughs> I did that in college often, but I never did it in high school. But enough about whatever. Okay, so flex your muscles. You came to the big city. This is your first introduction. Tell us what happened between then and now. So. I went to college in the Midwest, even though I had romantic ideas of cities. I think I was really drawn to um, small liberal arts schools, and I went to Grinnell, which is in Iowa, which is in a town that is actually bigger than the town I grew up in. I went to college in a town of 9,000. <laughs> right. Um, and after that, uh, all my friends were doing all these prestigious things. They were going to law school, they were going to med school, they had Fulbright scholarships, and I'd been a pretty mediocre student uh, in college. Um, really, I just kind of did the bare minimum to pass my classes and otherwise would like go to the video store, go to the college library and just like spend all my time watching movies. And it took me years to realize like, this is actually what I like. <laughs> yeah. It was it was like, oh, you know, what was kind of structured as like fuck off time was yeah. actually more enriching to me mm -hmm. than like, 
the classes I was being paid to take. Yeah. So uh, all my friends, you know, spent graduation year like racking up these these great things to do after graduation, uh -huh. and I had nothing lined up because I had been like a pretty lousy student, and uh, <laughs> I was just like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna move to LA and be a screenwriter." You just decided this. <laughs> just decided this. Okay. Um, so literally, uh, knowing nobody, having no job, having nowhere to live, I packed my car the morning after what? college graduation. <laughs> okay, I, I did not know this about you. Continue. And just you didn't you didn't know this story? I knew you, li I knew you lived in LA, but I thought I didn't know it was just like a well, why not situation. <laughs> it was a yeah, that was like my my self my sense of self preservation didn't really grow in until like <laughs> twenty six or so. Yeah. Like that. I mean. You, so I didn't get there at first. Um, okay. I uh, I drove my 1997 Ford Taurus uh, over the Rockies, and this car had like 200,000 miles on it, mm -hmm. and it um, just up and dies outside of Las Vegas. Like you know the beginning of uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas yeah. when he's like, "We can't stop here. It's back country." <laughs> That's yeah, backcountry. Okay. Like, the first thing that goes through my mind, like, my car screeches to a halt. It's, like, spewing steam, and I'm just like, oh, we can't stop here. It's backcountry. Back so then what happened? Um, so luckily, I have extended family in Las Vegas. Um, my my great aunt uh, got divorced from her first husband and moved away to Las Vegas in, like, 1962. And so I called my mother, who called her great aunt, who called her kids, who came and, and bailed me out. Nice. So I spent about a week uh, living with some cousins who I had seen, like, once before. Got my car fixed with, like, probably half of my, like, get-to-L.A. seed money. Yeah. Luckily, a friend of mine from college was from L.A., and her parents had a spare bedroom, and they are like, you can crash for, like, a little while. Yeah. And so I got there, and uh, within a week, I had found an apartment, a job, a roommate what? on Craigslist. Yeah. So wait, what was your job? Um, I worked at a greenhouse, because that had been my job all through high school, is uh -huh. I, worked, I worked in a greenhouse. And so I just went to this, like, L.A. garden center and was like, I know plants. And they were like, prove it. And I walked around, and I was just like, that one, that one, that one, that yeah, one, that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I lived in L.A. for a year and juggled. I was an SAT tutor at one point. Oh. I was writing for a marketing company. Um, the, I worked at the garden center part-time. So it just kind of like was a, you know, yeah. like everyone else in yeah, L.A. Yeah. Like, a bunch of move out there for the movies, work three part-time jobs to, to cover your rent and expenses, party too hard and actually do nothing yeah. actually related to. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I I was like, I'm going to be a screenwriter, and I lived there for a year. I think I wrote, like, maybe 15 pages. What? <laughs> so what was the final straw that made you leave Los Angeles? I guess I, I got there and was like, give it a year. Mm -hmm. If you're not loving it after a year, like, do something else. Mm -hmm. But, like, I had actually kind of got established. Like, I found a circle of friends, and I, you know... I found an apartment, I was actually making ends meet, and like, I think, I think it's important not to make life decisions when you're in a bad place, yeah. and I got to a good place and was like, alright, I'm, like, I'm making ends meet, I've got, I've got this figured out, 
and it's not really me, so I'm going to leave. Okay. Um, so it wasn't like a, a straw that broke the camel's back. It was just kind of like, uh, all right, well, this is as good as L.A. is going to get for me, mm-hmm. and I don't dig it, so. Okay. So then you moved to, where'd you go after that? I moved, into, to, I moved to Iowa City and moved in with some friends and kept working for the same uh, marketing company I was working for, so I was just working from home as a freelance writer. Yeah, it it was fine. Um, okay. I think the worst part about it was, like, working from home. Mm-hmm. I had no coworkers. I had no reason to leave the house, and that was the winter when... Um, I went to go grocery shopping and couldn't find my shoes and realized I hadn't left the house in 11 days because... Because it was just... It was snowy and cold. Like, Iowa was pretty rough in the wintertime. And I was like, all right, need to need to change something because, like, this is not working. Yeah. Uh, is that when you decided to go to film No. So I, I started working at a coffee shop. I'm old, remember? You're There's a lot... There's a lot of Whatever. years to get. <laughs> it was like, what is it, four years? Yeah. Yeah, this is not, we've covered one of them. <laughs> what happened in the remaining three? Uh, so I got a job at a coffee shop. I hated it. I, uh, a friend of mine was working for a U.S. Senate candidate in Missouri in 2006, and I went down and worked uh, doing video stuff in their press office. Nice. Um, and Yeah. And Claire won, and everyone was super excited to, like, go to D.C. and get, like, government jobs and, you know, help make the nation a better place. And I was like, I'm not really interested in that. (laughs) You know, making the world a better place is not what it means. Well, look, I I like making the world a better place, but, like, I, you know, I I like politics because politics is, like, competitive storytelling. Yeah, I get that. And it was after that that I decided to uh, to apply to film school, and I didn't get in anywhere the first time I applied. Um, moved back to Iowa City, uh, took some film classes at the University of Iowa, worked in an ophthalmology lab, uh, helping them do digital imaging. Nice. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, that was the year I had to go into the lab on Christmas Day to give 100 mice eye drops. Um, <laughs> How do you give them mice eye drops? Oh, you have to you have to scoop them up, up out of the cage. And you put them in this little gas chamber, and you give them. <laughs> you call it a gas chamber. <laughs> you put them in a gas chamber. It's it's anesthesia. You put them under anesthesia. Well, it's like that good. I'm happy you clarified what sort of gas you were giving these mice. It's this little plastic chamber that you put the mouse in, and you stick a tube on, and look. <laughs> Anyway, so you knock the mouse unconscious, you give it its eye drops, and you put it back in its cage. How long did that take to give a hundred mice eye drops? I don't know, like two or three hours. How? I'm sorry, this is, I can't, I know you don't love children, so it's hard for me to imagine you holding small animals, is the best way to put that. I don't know how to take that. I do love children. I just don't want them. I always assumed you were just like, get them away from me. No, I love other people's kids. I'm just way too selfish a person. Like, I look at the sacrifices that my friends who have kids have made to, like, you know, really take care of their kids. And I'm just like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> I am I'm not capable of being that selfless. <laughs> and, like, I think it's better to admit that I'm not a selfless person mm. than to, like... Try to prove that you're not by having a child. And then, like, yeah. Yeah. 
sense. Yeah, I mean, look, there's plenty of people who are parents who shouldn't be, yeah. and I would totally be one of them. <laughs> so, like, let's just let's just stop it before it starts. That makes sense. Like, I think that's a very logical decision. All right, so you decided, you applied, BU, you got in. What made you say yes? I do want to move to Boston. Really, it was Boston. It was still that like kind of romantic notion that teenage me had that like this was the awesomest place and you know LA is a city and I think but I think that like my previous exposure to cities having been New York and Boston like LA is like we should have different words yeah. for like you know small walkable city versus like giant sprawling yeah yeah and so I I knew I wanted to go to a city I knew I wanted to not be Los Angeles and I don't know. I think I decided on BU mostly because it involved moving to Boston more than like any other factor. <laughs> cool. Wait. So that was 2008. So you lived yeah. in Boston for six, six years, years now. And I love it. I'd be an idiot to move anywhere else. That's I mean, a strong position. I can't promise I'm not an idiot, but <laughs> <laughs> you lived here for six years. Tell them about what you've done in the time that you lived here. Why there's press coverage of you and like. Oh. Stuff. Why do people know me? People know me because. Um, I've made a film and a web series. The film, Day of Youth, is a kind of a, a darkish take on a romantic comedy about a, a young woman with amnesia who can't remember the last three years of her life. And the, the, the cruel irony is that nothing has happened in the last three years of her life. <laughs> so she's just kind of like, everyone's like warning her, like, brace yourself for change. You've got all this amnesia and nothing has changed. And so like that kind of spurs a... A, a hilarious series of, of personal crisis and the web series as you know is is Austin Christmas which is an anthology uh, web series about um, sorry I'm watching a dog fight um, 12 episode web series that takes place on the horror and chaos of moving day in Boston which for all the things I love about Boston that's really a pretty dumb idea okay so day of, day of youth uh, what inspired that Tell so it's um I don't know. I, I rewatched it recently and was like, it's a really unhappy movie. <laughs> like, everybody in it is just, like, really, like, in the dumps and being shitty to each other. And I think that was, like, it was just inspired because after film school, I didn't have a job in film. I was, was working in a hotel in hospitality and just, like, using none of my skills and... I felt like it, there was this part of me that was like, well, so much for filmmaking. But then, like, I looked at all my other friends from film school and was just like, oh, man, nobody's making movies. Like, people are working shitty jobs and we've all got, like, you know, we've, we've got MFAs and no one is actually doing anything that you need an MFA to do. Yeah. And so I just kind of started writing out this story of, of, a, of a person in a similar crisis of, like, looking down the barrel of like, what if my life never becomes what I want it to? Yeah. And of course, trying to, you know, be, I don't want to say funny about it, but, um, you know, make, make that crisis entertaining. What is the next project you want to work on? <laughs> I don't know yet. Um, I, I think I really just want to focus a bit on process right now. Like Day of Youth was so consumed with like the 
oh my god, can I even make a movie? Like, this is like this make or break life moment. Yeah. And Alston Christmas, you were along for the whole ride, and I think that, um, you know, it was it was December, it was January, and we're like, we've got a great idea. September's not that soon. We can just pull this off in a year. And so, like, we did the whole process at a sprint, and so um, I really just want the next one to be much more focused on, like, the writing experience and, like, doing it when it's ready to be done rather than, um, yeah, rather than, like, feeling like there's some sort of, like, Either either external pressure because of the convenience of shooting at at a, at a tent pole event like moving day, yeah. or you know, kind of this life life moment of I have to know whether I can make a movie on my own or not. Yeah. I think this winter I'm gonna try to do something small, just like a short film or a music video, okay. and like focus on being a little bit more of a normal human. Okay. What does that entail for you? Uh, normal humans, in my mind, I think, I, I think of it as, like, going civilian or, like, playing normal. Uh -huh. It's like any time I, like, cook myself dinner or, <laughs> like, get some exercise or make plans in advance with friends. Like, are these, awesome. these are all things that fall by the wayside when you're cranking out 12 short films in nine months. Yeah. Like... That makes sense. So, okay, uh, we are in Christopher Columbus Park. Give me some sort of meaningful event or memorable uh, happening, I guess, is the word. Like what, like I know this, it's because we're next to the aquarium, but like what else? What about this place? Like describe what we're looking at and all that. So we are sitting in Christopher Columbus Park. Um, there's a nice fountain in front of us. There is guy with a guitar playing this kind of elevator music stuff that you can probably hear behind us. Um, there are a lot of people with screaming children that you can also hear behind us. Um. <laughs> and she's fine. Yeah, she is, but she screamed like she was being murdered. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a big... Marriott Long Wharf uh, beside us. There's a bunch of boats on the water. It's a beautiful fall day. Nice in the sun, but cold in the shade. Yeah. All right. So you said that you might be an idiot and that you would leave Boston. But besides that, you plan on being here for the long haul? For as far as I can see in the future, um, I've, I've got no... I have no reason to move. I have... I have a great job. I have a great circle of, of artists and collaborators who I've done work that I'm really proud of with. And so, you know, in the absence of, of HBO calling me up and being like, come develop a series for us, um, I'm, I'm probably not going anywhere, so. Okay. What things about the city do you not like? Because you've described it in very glowing terms so far. But what are the things that you're like, eh, I wish these things were different? Moving day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's some still some puzzles to be solved around public transit. I think the city is very segregated. I think that there's you know there's kind of this kind of city on a hill vision of Boston, and there's a lot of, of neighborhoods that are kind of left out of that. And um, I think that you know in terms of city politics, like integrating all the parts of the city um, into into a more inclusive identity, I think, is, is something that um, 
needs some attention. Yeah. So wait, what part of town do you live in? I live in Brighton. And what's the feel of that? Brighton is sleepy in a good way. Brighton is as far west in the city as you can get uh, before you're in in Newton. Um, so before it's it's city limits essentially. Um, you the the neighborhood I live in used to be farmland until about a hundred years ago when they put up um, kind of cookie cutter triple deckers up and down the street. It's it's nice, but it's also weird. Like you, if you ever go into a neighbor's house, their their house has the exact same floor plan as yours because oh, they were yeah. all built at the same time, yeah. like exactly the same way. It tends to be kind of young professionals. Um, increasingly, in the last years, we've been getting some spillover from from BC. But um, you know, I lived in Kenmore for two years when when I was at BU. And my first night out in Brighton, I couldn't sleep because it was too quiet. <laughs> So what are some of the places that you would take someone who was visiting you both in Brighton but also in this part of town? In Brighton, I like someone who like is like visiting hasn't been to Boston before, just visiting and you're like, "All right, we have to go out a little bit in my neighborhood because it's my neighborhood, but also I'm going to take you to this part of town, uh, this waterfront area, I guess." Yeah. So yeah. Um in my neighborhood, I would definitely do uh, breakfast at Cafe Nation, um, maybe late night stop for Baklava at Athens Bakery. Um, Smoking Joe's just closed, which makes me super sad. Yeah. So now I got to go all the way to Davis Square to get good barbecue, um, which I'm sure you don't object to. I don't at all, as a person who lives near Davis Square. Yeah, otherwise my neighborhood is, is pretty sleepy. Um, this is this is definitely where I would take someone visiting Boston. I think that there's you know obviously all the the tourist and and history stuff around here. But as someone who, who first visited Boston as a tourist, I I can't like I have no like towny cred. I can't yeah. be like uh, fucking tourists like. <laughs> I mean I'm not from here, but I do that because they hold up like they don't know how to get they don't know how to use the subway they don't know how to walk appropriately on the sidewalk like. It's, oh, I yeah. still think you have the right to Oh, play. yeah, no. Whenever there's a Red Sox game and there's, like, 800 confused people in <laughs> in every station on the green line, like, yeah. yes, then I'm, like, fucking tourists, yeah. fucking out-of-towners. <laughs> Google how this shit works yeah. before you come into the city and just stand in confusion blocking a turnstile. Oh, like. my gosh. <laughs> on the way here, it was this lady with her kids. I think they were all there for the Honk Festival. But she's just like sitting, taking up both sides of the escalator, and there's a line of people behind me, and all of them are doing that passive-aggressive, like, huh, I guess they should label it. They should label it so <laughs> that people know <laughs> to yeah. stand on one side and walk on the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I... I I came and visited Boston as as a tourist. I still take my friends to do touristy things. Um, you know, even even though I lived in Boston for six years, like um, I've only recently started to explore like a little bit outside the city. Like a couple of weeks ago, my roommate and I uh, went up to Concord and went to Walden Pond, and went to Minuteman Park, which is where the the shot heard round the world, the Battle of Lexington and Concord was. Yeah. And so it is. It is cool in like a really, a really nerdy but really like sincere way that there there is all this stuff accessible. So that's definitely what I, what I take people to when they're visiting. Okay. Well, quick question then. In addition to that, are you doing any other like 
traditional New England-y fall things this year? What does that even include? I grew, Apple picking. I grew I up know. in New England. I, oh, yeah. This is just normal to me. I don't have to play New Englander. I'm naturally cold and prickly. <laughs> you know, like, there's... Actually, I was invited to go apple picking tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not going to do it because I don't like the idea of picking vegetables or fruit or whatever. But, uh, yeah, like, they're like, we're going to eat apple cider could you Could you sell it in California? Like, Californians would be like, bitch, please, someone gets paid $2 an hour to pick exactly. my fruit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you want me to pay you to so, pick your apples? No, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not a I'm not an apple picker, but I do like uh, apple cider. Um, a fun New England winter thing that I think you've probably never done and would hate, but uh, go to uh, go to a, what's it called where they make maple syrup. Um, I don't know. I was like, I've never done that. I yeah. You, a, a forest? I don't know. What? You'd love it. You'd love it. Like, there are these little shacks where, like, all these pools of tree sap are just, like, condensed. And really? This is what, we, this is what you do when you grow up in New England. And, okay, like, okay, these so. are, like, second-grade class field trips. It's like, go see maple syrup being made. Um, so go what? to You're historical places. You go to the woods and you look at a shack where sap is. <laughs> And you just look at it? Yeah, this, this is this is like our third grade class trip. They make maple sugar candy, and so you uh -huh. get to, like, suck on the lollipops. But, yeah, no, you basically go in the woods in the winter. Um, you have to do this in the winter? Yeah, the sap only runs in the winter. What? Or I don't remember, even remember how it works, but, yeah. So you have to freeze your butt off to go look at trees. <laughs> That's it. We're we're going we're going up to Vermont to do maple syrup this winter. You, you and me? Yeah. Why would I do that? But Vermont. Oh, okay. Okay. Vermont's a decent place. I'm happy that it exists. But I don't like. Wait, is there skiing in Vermont? I might yeah. go skiing. Can we go skiing and then like on the way down the mountain look at the trees and then say that we did that? Yes, okay. we can do that. Do you know how to ski? Yeah, I know how to ski. What kind of question is that? You're from the south. Where have, do you go skiing in the south? We have rolling hills, and it snows on them sometimes. <laughs> I know how to slide down with, like, wooden planks on my feet. I'm fine. All right, all right. But do you know how to ski? I'm, I'm really bad at it, but yes, I, I, I know how to ski. Okay. I want to learn how to snowboard. I would, I would pay my, I cannot snowboard. I would pay money to sit on the side of the hill and watch you learn how to snowboard. Yes! So you're going to pay for me to learn how to snowboard. Also, guys, it's on record. Uh, I'm going to play this back for Jared in the winter. Everyone knows now Jared's paying for me to learn how to snowboard. Okay, cool. I'm going to bring a video camera and post it all to Facebook. Yay! It'll be more, it'll be like, uh, what is it? Additional content. Oh, I think is I was thinking it's gonna be like Jackass, where you just like watch someone fall on their face a hundred times. It's It'll funny. be like a slow, boring version. Of <laughs> I would edit like, it. Uh, uh, it's cold. <laughs> Could we have gone skiing on a warmer day, please? Yeah, that'll be that'll be it. What is that? Is there? Those are boats. Okay. We're on the waterfront. <laughs> I was like, hey guys, it's too close to shore. We gotta. Uh, <laughs> Somebody's in danger over there. 
I'm trying to think of, I'm like going through like elementary school class field trips <laughs> to think of like New England things. Um, I got, I watched cigarettes being rolled. I'm from North Carolina. That's deplorable. <laughs> Who, who takes who takes children to a cigarette factory? It's, no, you have to learn because you go, you see like the plants, you see the tobacco plants growing, and then there's like a process. It's farming. It's you have to know this. <laughs> Why do you look so shocked? You take children to a cigarette factory. It's, it's, like, that's all part of. What it. do you get for souvenirs? <laughs> They've got candy cigarettes. Don't be ridiculous. No, but it's like. We learned how they made them in the old days because of the town, Winston-Salem, and there's, like, a historic <laughs> part of it, and, like, you got to make candles, too. It was a whole thing. You know how you go to historic sites and, like, they let kids make candles? We went to Mark Twain's house once and made butter. Really? Yeah. You had to churn it? Yeah. Did you get to keep the butter after you were done? It didn't make very much. We oh. all got, like, a little bit on a cracker. Oh. That's cool, I guess. How, I've never churned butter. How was that? Labor intensive. Yeah, it seems <laughs> ineffective. I'm happy they've, you know, automated that process. Now we just get butter for pretty cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one time in third grade, uh, one of my classmates found a Revolutionary War cannonball in her backyard. What'd she do with it? She brought it to the local historical society. He found a piece of a skull in it. So it's a cannonball that went through someone's head during the Revolutionary oh War. Oh, and she brought it to school, and we all thought it was really cool. How? What What part of their head, though? <laughs> <laughs> like, if it's a tooth, that's gross. <laughs> but if it's, like, just, like, a nondescript, like, little... Yeah, it's just, like, thing. a skull fragment. Okay. Like, someone got their head blown off by a cannon in the Revolutionary I'm War. I'm not happy about that. I just think there are parts of it that would look weirder, is all. And then, like... 300 years later, some little girl's playing in her backyard, and is like, oh, look at this. Our stuff is gonna be like that. Like... Someone's I'm gonna find an iPhone 300 years from now. They're like, what's this garbage? Like, it doesn't do much. People found this very important, though. Yeah, there's gonna be iPhones just in the ground, like, mixed up with our trash. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Boston's a good city for showing you the layers of time. Yeah. I don't history. know. You're a, hist you're a historian. I, I have a degree in history, which doesn't mean a lot right now. But yeah, technically. Well, a degree in anything isn't worth much right now. Yeah, except like a, a medical degree. Yeah. I feel like a medical degree is still worth something. Yeah, you'll get, you'll get a job with that. Yeah. Like, we don't have enough doctors... Like, we have, in Boston, we probably have enough, but, like, the middle of the country doesn't have enough, and, like, Africa doesn't have enough, like, <laughs> all of it, so, yeah, we need to get more doctors. That's the lesson of today's podcast. Um, if you're considering becoming a doctor, do it. So, last thoughts about Boston. Yeah, no, your shrug does not appear on a podcast. Um, how long have we been talking? Oh, we've been talking for a good amount of time. So what are some final things, final thoughts on Boston, and also things that you would tell someone that they need to see, like a specific thing they need to see if they're visiting the city? They need to see if they're visiting Boston. I don't know. I don't like giving generic recommendations. I like to tailor my recommendation to the personality. Uh, 20-something 
her living in Los Angeles, who's a professional who has money to spend on going out, is coming to visit you. Where do you take me? They're kind of hipstery, um, and they like movies, but not not like a ton. And they don't want to see. They don't want to read subtitles. <laughs> it's a very specific type of person who's like, I like independent movies, but don't like subtitles. I don't think I would have any friends like that. <laughs> I don't know. Usually, what like one thing that's remarkable about Boston that I think people who don't live in the city don't realize is like just how small and walkable Boston is. And so, like, whenever I have friends visiting, I like to just like walk everywhere with them so they can be like holy crap like I just walked everywhere yeah so because you can I mean you can literally I had friends visit we uh went to Harvard walked to MIT walked over um the Mass Ave Bridge walked up the the Commonwealth Avenue Mall did the Christian Science Center up through Newbury Street like catch the Freedom Trail come back around to here to the waterfront like and it's all like that's that's easily like a day's wonder. Yeah. And like, can't do that in another city. Like, where would you where would you walk from point A to point B in Los Angeles? Uh, you could walk from one strip mall to the other end of the same strip mall. You could walk from like Venice Beach to Santa Monica Pier. Yeah. I think those are, that's like the only like walkable destination in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, if you're walking in Los Angeles, I feel like people will ask you if you're okay. <laughs> when I lived in LA, uh, my car died shortly after uh, I got there, and I took the bus. And like, oh. the oh, you would not believe the reactions, especially like white people. White people are like, "You take the bus? <laughs> That's only for Browns. <laughs> How could you?" Well, it's, it's just like this cultural thing. Yeah. Like, like it's embarrassing. Like, don't tell people you have to take the bus. Uh. And I'd be like, whatever. <laughs> I like that that isn't the case in Boston. Like, everyone takes the bus and the train. Like, that's how you get around. It's it's the opposite in Boston. It's like, why do you waste your money on a car? Yeah. Like, the only people I know who have cars, like, need them for specific, like, professional reasons. Yeah. And people with kids seem to more likely have cars because they have to cart small oh, around. toys and DVD players yeah. and like a stroller yeah, yeah. Well, just seems exhausting I'm way too <laughs> selfish for that like you see your, your friends who are, who are new parents and they start suddenly carrying like this suitcase like that it's like a diaper bag with like absolutely like everything you could shoulder muscles ever need yeah Damn. yeah so here's to not having kids high five you got I, that on audio yeah, no, look, friends, I will play with your kids anytime. I'm a great babysitter, but, like, you know, like, six to eight hours is, like, my limit. After which I'm like, all right, give me my TiVo. Give me a strong drink. I'm going to watch something with profanity. Nice. Like. All right, any final thoughts? No. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. This has been Person About Town, Jared Vincente, Christopher Columbus Park. It's actually Columbus Day tomorrow, so... Yeah. Yeah. He was an asshole. <laughs> now we know. All right. Thanks, guys. I'm going to turn it off now. Bye. Is that? Stop. <laughs> <laughs>